I was 24 years old when I bought my first sports car. It was 1986 and the car was a Toyota MR2. I'd saved the down payment at my first job as an editor and reporter at the Canadian Press Wire Service. I had to take a loan out at the bank to buy it. I loved it so much I traded it for a higher powered model in a couple of years. That means I bought two sports cars before I ever put a dollar towards retirement. Then my dad told me to get with it on retirement saving even though he was into cars too. Knowing nothing about investing, I decided to open an RRSP. My investment of choice? A plain old savings account. I'm 55 now, and in some ways things haven't changed since I was in my 20s. Young people starting work still have to balance having fun now with saving for a far-off retirement. But there's no doubt in my mind that it's much harder to save for retirement now than it was for me back then. Younger people are still trying though. Have you saved for retirement yet? I've just started to. Yes, I have. I have an RSP account and some savings that I do aside. I do have some savings, but not for retirement, just for my school debts. Uh, tuition, also. I'm working on it, actually, yeah. How much money do you have saved for retirement? None. Not as much as I want. <laughs> 10 to 15? $100 into my TFSA and my RRSP each per month. In various portfolios, a few hundred thousand. Do you think you're on track right now? I don't really keep track of that, actually. I just save the money, and when it comes to retirement, hopefully I have enough. I'm quite behind. I'm scared for the future, I guess. I'm Rob Carrick, personal finance columnist at the Globe and Mail, and this is Looking Ahead, The Retirementality. It's a three-episode special podcast from The Globe. We'll meet you wherever you are in the life stages before retirement. Whether you're at your first job or your last, I'm asking experts what you need to do now to secure your retirement. I'll also tell you a little bit about my own retirement journey. Today we're at the first stage of retirement when you're young and maybe careless about planning for the future. But not to worry. We're going to speak to an expert in retirement saving for millennials who will tell you why you can't lose hope. If you're a millennial, you're still very young. If you are 35 years old, there's still 30 years till retirement. 30 years ago, you were five years old. More of that after a message from the sponsor for this series. How old will you be when you retire? Where will you live? And what should you do with your money? Defining your retirement can help you build a personalized investment plan, and iShares can help. Get inspired to build by visiting iShares.ca. iShares by BlackRock. Two thousand eighteen is a different world from when I got my first full-time job in nineteen eighty-five. Back then, interest rates were high, and that savings account I used for my RRSP would have paid about six percent. Today, two percent would be a great rate. Also, I've had a company pension since I started working. Today's young people are entering a workforce with much less opportunity to have a company pension. It's no wonder young people are finding it hard to imagine themselves retiring at all. Am I screwed? Is a question that I didn't get from young people as much six to seven years ago. That's Shannon Lee Simmons. I'm a certified financial planner, and I'm also the founder of the New School of Finance, which is a very affordable, fee-only financial planning firm in Canada. Unlike almost everyone else in the financial industry, Shannon specializes in financial planning for younger people. I have found two different types of millennials as far as I'm concerned. There's the ones that were born in the 80s, like myself, that's like a 
analog childhood, digital adulthood. And then there's the latter half of the millennial cohort, which are in their early 20s right now, and they're just starting out. They're not in their early 30s. So it's very different priorities. But regardless of age, even students who are still in school are already worried about the fact that they know that retirement is going to be something that's out of reach for them, or at least they believe that. Shana, what do you remember thinking about retirement savings when you graduated from college or university and started working? Oh, my God. It felt so far away. I did my undergrad in economics, so I I did have an awareness that, you know, money is important and personal finance is important. And I did get a job at an investment management firm right out of university. So I was aware But I also had $30,000 worth of student debt. So my priority was to hammer that thing down. And so I guess you could say that that was my, quote, form of retirement savings because I didn't want that as a financial hangover for my whole entire, like, 20s. So I lived at home for one year and banked every paycheck to get that down. And my treat to myself after was to move to the city. And so what age did you suddenly decide, now I need to do something about retirement? Is it okay if I say I'm still not there? I am doing something about retirement, but it's it's hard to save and pay off debt and pay for down payment and do all the things. So my retirement savings is three levels. It's like, okay, spend your 20s to become debt-free if you can and try to build a nest egg. So that's what we've been doing. So now we're sitting here with a down payment. Our next move is we're going to try to buy a house. We're going to try to buy a house, maybe. That's something that we both really want. And then if we don't, that nest egg will become our retirement savings. We'll make up for all that time. Or once we buy that home, we can also then start to do, you know, more formal retirement savings like your RRSPs and your TFSAs and stuff. So it's hard. How old are you, Shannon? I'm 33. Key context, because when people find out where you are and what you're doing, they need to know how old you are because people love to compare themselves and and to know, am I normal? And so you're helping to tell people that juggling many priorities is normal. That's one of the new rules of retirement. Absolutely. I think it's really hard to do all the things at once. And I think that one of the important points is that, you know, paying down debt is a form of savings. One of the things I'm noticing about millennials is... There's a growing skepticism, even bordering on anger about retirement. They Mm -hmm. feel that they are never going to participate in this idea of retirement. They will never be able to finish working because of challenges in the workforce, lack of pensions, the gig workforce where they're working temporary contracts, they're not getting benefits, they're going to be getting smaller salaries, they're not going to be getting the same benefits package. Combat this pessimism for me. Give millennials a retirement pep talk. Can you do that? Yeah, there is always hope. That's, I think, why I have a job, actually. Anyone who's coming to me wants to feel like there's a point. Anyone who's given up already is not coming, right? The one thing that I love to show people, and it sounds so trite and simple and silly, but it is very effective, is if you're a millennial, you're still very young. If you are 35 years old, there's still 30 years till retirement. 30 years ago, you were five years old. Like, lots of life happened within there, right? So, so yes, there's a lot of doom and gloom, but 30 years is still a very, very long time. And I think that a little bit still has a chance to go a long way. Often what I'll do is I'll show someone, what does $100 a month do? Okay, well, let's look at that. Over 30 years, if we were to put it in a tax shelter and invest it with a 4% rate of return, net of fee, net of tax, everything like that, what happens? And... 
they're blown away that $100 could actually make that much of a difference in their life. And it's because of the same things that every financial expert's been saying for years, the compounding, the consistency, and all that kind of stuff. That's really the whole story of saving for retirement. Get into a savings habit you can maintain now so that you can give it time to grow. When we're back, Shannon and I argue that the push to own a home instead of renting isn't necessarily the best path to retirement. How old will you be when you retire? Where will you live? And how will you spend your time? Defining your retirement can help you build a personalized investment plan, and iShares Core ETFs can help. They're a simple, low-cost way to build a solid foundation for your portfolio and can help make your retirement goals a reality. And iShares is powered by BlackRock, trusted to manage more money for investors than any other firm in the world. Get inspired to build by visiting iShares.ca. iShares by BlackRock iShares ETFs are managed by BlackRock Asset Management Canada Limited. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees and expenses all may be associated with investing in iShares ETFs. Please read the relevant prospectus before investing. The funds are not guaranteed, their values change frequently, and past performance may not be repeated. Tax, investment and all other decisions should be made, as appropriate, only with guidance from a qualified professional. Millennials face this fork in the road, it seems to me, retirement, housing. Mm. And that's more pronounced in expensive cities like Toronto and right. Hamilton and Vancouver and Victoria. But it is still a factor in other cities as well. Um, how do you advise someone who says, I'm at the fork, I really want to have a house, but I understand I have to save for retirement. What do I do? So if they want to buy a home, I'm usually into it. I would like try to. But on the caveat that they need to be able to afford it. So if they purchase that home, they still need to be able to build a retirement portfolio at the same time. And that is the key to truly being able to afford a home. I find people in cities where real estate's done really well, they almost seem like they're prepared to just put it all in the house. I know. And you know what? I don't need anything else. Houses work. And houses appreciate in value in the stock market. I don't know. It goes up and down. It's very treacherous and I can't trust it. But my house, I know I can trust that based on what has happened in the last yeah. seven years. And I wonder if they're going to be making bad decisions about retirement saving that are going to affect them like 50 or 60 years in the future based on a few years of a good real estate market. Do you have any concern like that? I do. I absolutely do. And I think you're abs nailing something. Uh, and I think I feel that myself. If you are a later, that first generation of millennial, your learned experience since you graduated was like stock market crashed and then not really a full understanding of how that rebounded, right? So you don't really fully understand it, but lots of up and downs and an absolutely insane return on housing. So that's your learned experience, which no matter how many statistics and information like is out there, you might still say, well, that's what happened to my parents. That's what happened to my friend. And so like, that's what's real for me. If you're buying a home in the GTA for $800,000, a million dollars, and it's, you know, for a semi-detached home, in 20 years, is someone going to pay $2.5 million? Like, I don't know. I don't know. And if that's your entire retirement plan, I worry about that. I talk about that a lot with clients. Like, let's not use 8 to 20% rate of return on our on our real estate, which is what a lot of people are like, well, you know, 3% doesn't make sense. Look what happened last year. That's why I'm very clear on let's diversify risk, if we can, between real estate and the investment. 
we have to talk about renting a house versus owning a house yes. and, and how that might impact your retirement. I see it almost as having a positive impact mm-hmm. because if you are renting and you are saving a ton of money because you don't own, you're not paying property taxes and you're not paying upkeep and maintenance, which we could average out to be one to 2% of your house value on average per year. And you're not going on these reno projects that people are doing. You're fixing your backyard up, you're fixing your basement up. You're saving a lot of money. If you were to put most or a good piece of that into a diversified investment portfolio regularly over the years, and yes, I know it takes discipline, but if you were to do that, it strikes me you're going to have a big pile of liquid money that you can use for retirement or whatever you want. And you talked about how home equity, it doesn't really help you that much because it's tied up in the house. So what do you tell the person who comes in and has been indoctrinated into thinking renting is wasting money and I'm just paying my landlord's mortgage and I won't be financially successful if I do it? I get that a lot. What I like to do is show them how much money owning actually does waste, right? And and so the garbage is what I call it every month. So the extra insurance, you have to pay the property tax, the utilities, and the interest that you're paying on your mortgage. That's not even home improvement where you could make the argument that you'll see that money down the road, right? Those are literally bills that is just flushing down the drain every single month. You're renting now, I take it? Yes. And you want to own a home? So badly. <laughs> For personal reasons, that has nothing to do with finances. Right, and, and that's the best reason to buy a house yes. for personal reasons, for the lifestyle. How important will it be for you to fit retirement savings into your budget after you own the home? Extremely, and I think that's why I haven't made a move yet. I know too much, Rob. I I know too much, so I won't do it. I won't put myself in a situation where I am all in on a home and have nothing left for RSPs and TFSAs. And that's left me in a position where I just keep endlessly saving for a, a home I might never actually be able to, to afford. On paper, a bank would give me a mortgage tomorrow. We could absolutely buy something. But I know we can't really afford to do all of it because we have childcare right now. And that's $2,000 a month. So what is that? To anyone out there that's in the same situation, I just keep building that nest egg. I use my tax-free savings account so it's flexible and my partners. And so we are building that nest egg. If we never buy a home, it just becomes part of our retirement portfolio. Retirement saving is like a table with many legs. There's the Canada Pension Plan if you work for an employer and a government program called Old Age Security. There may also be a company pension if you're lucky. Beyond that, it's up to you to save for retirement on your own. There are two ways to build your retirement savings. The first is a TFSA. That stands for Tax-Free Savings Account. It's a bit of a misleading name. You can put investments as well as savings in a TFSA. All your gains from savings or investing are tax-sheltered and can be withdrawn tax-free anytime. This is a feature people absolutely love and it's become a popular way to save since it was introduced by the federal government in 2009. RRSPs are the classic way to save for retirement. Registered Retirement Savings Plans. You get a tax deduction for the money you contribute to an RRSP and the money is tax sheltered until you withdraw it. Then you pay tax on it whenever you withdraw the money. Ideally, that would be in retirement, but people do take money out of their RRSPs to buy homes and for other things. Almost any investment you can think of can go in either a TFSA or an RRSP. And I'd say that both are best kept up with a monthly contribution, even that $100 Shannon mentioned earlier. I asked Shannon what a younger person should prioritize. Let's say a millennial is fortunate enough to carve out a small amount of money every month to Mm -hmm. save for retirement. 
What are your thoughts on where that money should go? I mean, this is assuming that they are debt-free and that they've got an emergency account. So those two things are the things I would prioritize first. But if we're talking about your like absolute nest egg retirement savings, I would say TFSA first, then the RRSP. Because if you are a person starting out or if you have an income that isn't, you know, so, so high, the TFSA provides tax sheltering for you over a long, long time that you can invest. And a lot of people think that the TFSA is just this fun side account where you get like a good interest rate. And so I always love to have that conversation. But if you're investing in the TFSA over the long run, then by the time that you get to retirement, you'll have an investment portfolio that is tax-free when you take it out in retirement, which means that you might qualify for a lot more government pensions than somebody who has everything in RRSPs or you don't risk any clawback. But then the question becomes, well, when do you use the RRSP? What about the tax deduction? My advice to people as a sweeping generalization is TFSA first, then the RRSP. What's a good kind of investment for millennials to put in their TFSA? I would say if you are just starting out, I'm a big fan of passive investments like exchange-traded funds or index funds, so I love those. That's another acronym that's helpful to know for retirement. ETF stands for exchange-traded fund. The fun part means your money is pooled with contributions from other investors and invested in stocks, bonds, or both. Exchange traded means you buy ETFs as if they're stocks. That means you need to have an account at a brokerage firm and you'll have to pay commissions to buy and sell. This is really simple to do if you have an account at an online brokerage firm. Every bank has one and there are some good independent firms as well. Let's talk a bit about what position young adults actually are in One of the things that millennials do have going for them is this longer lifespan that we're all living. And so you can buy a house later and you can retire later. What retirement age do you project for your millennial clients when you're doing a financial plan? I usually still will show them the traditional 65 because our government pensions are based on that still, right? Right. But the conversation is different. I usually will add in freelance income or something on top of that because they don't anticipate not working until they literally are done. Like they, they they can't or they don't want to anymore. And so I usually suggest people are freelancing up until about 70 years old to make things work. After 70, that's when we really start to, quote, live off the portfolio. We're doing three segments here for millennials, sort of for people on their you know, uh, later 30s and 40s, we'll call those Gen Xers. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, for the boomer cohort, like me, I'm 55. I think the most complex situation, although it's counterintuitive, is the millennials because they have got the most uncertainty to deal with. Yes, absolutely. I think we were dealt a weird hand and then we were placed into a very uncertain economy where the outlook could be anything. It could be very positive. It could mean not a lot of jobs. It could mean wonderful stock market returns. It could mean wonderful housing returns. It could mean everything kind of blows up. We don't know. And and so that is what's leading to even the younger generation of millennials already asking the question, even while they're in school or just graduated, am, am I screwed for retirement? It's because all bets are off. And I think that the outlook going forward is so there's so many question marks that it's really hard to plan around and so we do the best that we can and it comes back to that diversification piece right just don't put all your eggs in one basket regardless of what that basket is and try to hedge your bets so that whatever happens out there you're prepared 
My wife and I have two sons in their early 20s. They're still finishing their post-secondary education, but I already have some retirement advice for them. Start putting money away in a TFSA as soon as possible. Aim to keep some of that money for a retirement that will happen 40, even 50 years from now. Saving for retirement is a long journey. The younger you start, the easier it is. I want to thank Shannon Lee Simmons for coming onto the show today. She's a financial planner and the founder of the New School of Finance. You can find her at Shannon Lee, as in leesimmons.com, or at nschoolfinance on Twitter. And next, we'll talk with Dan Bordelotti about the middle years before retirement. You're chugging along, setting money aside for retirement, but are you putting it in the right place? And do you have what it takes to be a DIY investor? I don't mean that you need to be some kind of stock-picking genius, but you're going to need to do a little bit of reading. If you like what you've heard, let us know. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find us. And feel free to share your thoughts with me. I'm on Twitter at rcarrick or look me up on Facebook. Retirementality is produced by Kasia Mihailovich. We record at Studio 351 in Toronto with the help of Timothy Moore. Thanks to executive producers Stephanie Chan, Katrina Bolak, and Sean Stanley. I'm Rob Carrick. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.